0: Deep down I think it comes from an obsession about being sincere, that need for honesty or kind of musical sincerity and things going from the grain to the tongue in its purest form is really important to me.
1: Good morning and welcome to Tapping the Flow. That is the voice of Samantha Waits, a Scottish singer-songwriter who uh, I met in London I would say 15 years ago. I've known her for a long time, probably as long as anybody I've known in London and uh, I feel that I didn't actually know her that well, so it's been very, very nice to talk to her about her amazing music career. As you can tell from the snippet of our conversation, Samantha is a huge proponent of uh, recording live and capturing a moment. And in fact, for her album, Waiting Rooms, she did indeed do that and went into waiting rooms around the country actual waiting rooms, train stations, even a prison at some point, and uh, recorded these recordings. And you can really hear it in the track that's about to come up. A song called Daylight Savings, You'll hear the ambience of the environment in which she recorded in. It's a lovely, lovely song with a wonderful, perky arrangement, perfect for the morning. I say morning because it's 6.30 in the morning here, and I I woke up with a thirst to do this and uh, to engage this conversation. So thank you very much for tapping the flow, Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Daylight Savings.
0: I don't tire Of the changing Colors Of the autumn Greens that have been Reds Waiting to
1: see
0: oh oh, oh 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 There's a limb
1: it's really cool to talk to you I feel like I've known you for a long time but I don't know you and that's kind of weird and we should do something about that right now you know nobody knows me no nobody knows you no do you know yourself
0: <laughs> um I, I think I am great yeah I know myself more every day I guess the same as as, a, as anyone getting older
1: yeah 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 it's an interesting I know what one. I'm
0: not maybe more than what I am but yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think that like from knowing you anyway, you're certainly someone who's in touch with purity, um, in in your vocal delivery and also in how you capture recordings. You know, there's something essential about them. And and I feel I I respond to stuff like that because I know when I play music, in a live environment, people are like, yeah, that's brilliant. And then you sell them the record and they're like, what happened? And that doesn't happen with your music. In fact, you're you're emboldening the essence of what it's like to capture something live. Where does that come from? that desire to do so
0: um i think that like d- deep down i think it comes from an obsession about being sincere you know i think that kind of um th- that need for for honesty or or kind of yeah like kind of musical sincerity and things going from the kind of brain to the tongue um in its purest form is really important to me and kind of capturing and I and I think I mean maybe just to jump across then is like also to make something quite timeless, I think it needs to be quite natural. Um and I and I think a mixture of those two things has kind of led me down this path of making things that are that are incredibly like organic and in the moment um, and, and I think with waiting rooms, the last thing that I did, that was just like the kind of purest version of that that I could get to with my budget and my and my skill set, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where that came from, I think. I, I,
1: I imagine that that was a heck of a challenging thing to do because like listening to it, the performances are amazing. The guitar parts don't sound particularly uh, easy either. You know, there's a lot of movement in them. And then you're also in this, I mean, and in one in one. One place you're doing it at three o'clock in the morning. Like, how do you get the energy to do it at three o'clock in the morning?
0: Um. Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, it became apparent quite, quite early on the scale of it. You know, I think in, in my head it was going to be a lot shorter a time, you know. So it took it took four no, it, it took just about four years to record, mm. um, and it was you know so it was quite a drawn out experience, and you know a lot of it was just when when we were allowed access. So yeah, I don't think it was ideal that I was recording at three in the morning, but yeah. you know that was the time that we were allowed in to the underground, obviously once all of the work there had finished, and mm. you know so yeah so and that was that wasn't ideal but you just kind of had to go with what you were allowed you know and i think some of the geography of it just came down to me asking lots of different places and wherever kind of picked up and engaged on the on the project and like really got behind it and supported it so that ended up kind of becoming some of the you know that meant that we had to go to the to the West Highlands on this day at this time, because this is a place that really like it kind of got the project, said yes. And we're like, yeah, you can come and do it on this day at this time. we'd be like, OK, I'll see you in a year. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it kind of, you know, a lot of it was just the logistics kind of predicted when and where you know so
1: how amazing so there yeah. was you were waiting around for the waiting rooms yet you were yeah, also um, rushing <laughs> to get to them at the same time
0: <laughs> in some of them yeah i mean the 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 peckham rye waiting room it's like the old waiting room at peckham rye station it's a beautiful grade two listed building and that was the initial building that i saw that kind of sparked my imagination for this project um and you know I asked them and it took them over a year to even kind of reply to my first email um, wow. so it ended up being the last it ended up being I think the second to last recording but it was the kind of first one that I reached out to and a lot of red tape later and they finally let me in and you know and let me record in there so
1: wow I mean yeah, it was... what was your hit rate like with uh, emails not being opened and stuff
0: um I try it's so traumatic that I've kind of blocked it out but yeah it was definitely like a lot of knocking on doors and the Great Ormond Street Hospital one that was kind of they said yes and then they changed their mind and then they said yes oh. and you know it was a lot of kind of with that one in particular they I think I remember them saying at some point that they couldn't really support projects that weren't um you know, it felt like a bit of a kind of ego project kind of thing. And I really had to explain to them kind of why it was part of the community and why it wasn't really about me. And, you know, if it was about me, I would have gone into a studio and and made it kind of this perfect, beautiful recording. But actually, it was very much about that space and the people in that space. And and then they totally, then it kind of, you know, the penny dropped for them and they really got it and they were really supportive. But that took kind of... But in a way it was great because it made me ask myself those questions as well you know why am i doing this am i just doing this for me or you know is the bigger picture of this important is there any point in this you know so it was kind of a beautiful thing in the end that i kind of had to go through that to make sure that i really wanted to do it and that it was you know the right thing to do
1: it was a a multi-layered <clears throat> uh, production in the end. I mean, even though it's a single take, there are many elements to enjoy in there. There's the sound of in each individual room. There's the <clears throat> the consideration of uh, people, I guess, taking in your performance, whether they be workers or whatever that is, and then there's a process behind you approaching it and questioning yourself and, and showing other people that it wasn't about you. Because in a little video I watched, there's a like a, a little documentary about the making of it, and it doesn't come across as being about you at all. And uh, you speak about folk music being... Uh, something essential and uh, and and being presented in places that aren't traditional venues and that sort of thing. And, and this is the epitome of that. Did you become more the person that you are now through doing this project? Uh,
0: yeah, I guess I probably did. I mean, I suppose every, every kind of artistic outpouring that we make probably brings us closer to something that is, is kind of mm. the, the seed of what we are. Well, I think that's kind of what we're always striving for artistically isn't it but it definitely um, it taught me a lot of things about kind of the the artist that I am and and the resilience that I have maybe I, I feel a lot stronger at the end of it than I did at the beginning mm-hmm. um, you know, you you really take yourself out of the centre of a project like this. It's kind of very difficult to kind of be a diva in a project like this Mm -hmm. when you and you kind of are almost like the last element that's thought about. Because you have to like, you know, worry about all of the other musicians and them getting there, the venue, the people that work in these spaces, um, you know, your time limitations, packing up, packing down, making sure that everyone's got something to eat and all this kind of stuff. And then you spend 10 minutes recording Mm. your bit, you know, so it kind of you're so forced into just getting it done. That you, that you don't have time to indulge in some of those things that perhaps you've indulged in or think that you must indulge in to be able to do these things, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely taught me a lot about that side of things, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it also made me think, like, I just want to do it over and over and over again for the next one. I want to do 50 takes of one thing next time. <laughs>
1: All right, okay. So that's, that's going to be fun, yeah. But how, how come, I mean... Like you ran towards your fears with this, didn't you? Because obviously, like if you come out of something feeling stronger, it's because you've you crossed a barrier, a fear barrier, yeah. you know, and you've gone into this situation and uh, you've mastered it essentially and come out of it and gone, I did that. Now you're stepped forwards, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely I, I can't believe that, that I did it. Actually, it's kind of when I look back on it, I think maybe because it was over such a long period of time and it was so it was filled with so many challenges. That it's almost like, oh, okay. And then when I listen to it, it's kind of like, wow, we actually made an album <laughs> You know, yeah. it felt and it and it sounds coherent and you know, the music sounds good and it doesn't just sound like a, a bunch of field recordings. You know, it actually sounds like a musical thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's um maybe in a few years I'll be able to reflect on it a bit more, but at the moment it still feels quite like hmm. what happened there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
1: What was the response like?
0: Um, it's been, I think I think some people, when they listen to it, they really get it, you know, they really get inside the rooms and they really understand the kind of the weight of it, you know, and the kind of the social kind of size of it, you know, and about these spaces and these public spaces and, and how and the different things that people go through in these spaces. And I think that a lot of people, when they hear it, they really get that. Um, and that and that's when I get a really positive response from it. And then I think some people maybe they, it doesn't kind of impress in the way that people are used to hearing with recorded music. So it maybe kind of passes them by a little bit because it's quite subtle, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, when people get it, they really, really get it, you know, and I feel like it really moves them in the way that I want it to. Um, but it isn't it's not an instant thing, you know, it's quite a gentle and subtle thing.
1: Yeah. So I'm, it kind
0: of you know, it's it's definitely not radio friendly. <laughs> no, but that's
1: that's good. That means it's Samantha friendly, right? Essentially in that in that regard. It's 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 oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool though, because like the songs don't need that uh element to make them majestic. The songs like if you went into a studio and recorded them, you'd be in a good place anyway. You know, but this adds to it, like sometimes if you would think if you went and did something like that, maybe the songs weren't strong enough, but actually the songs mm. are totally strong and the combination Thank of everything is a, is a wonderful experience as well, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think because the songs were they were written over quite a long period of time. So it's kind of they didn't they didn't necessarily have like the album arc that you'd want from like a really strong album. You know, there's Mm. they're a collection of songs that are all about things that I write about. So they, you know, they hang together in that sense, but they're definitely not that kind of what I would consider to be like a classic album of songs where it's like, you know, they have that kind of perfect narrative and that great kind of beginning, middle and end that all great albums do. Mm. But it's, you know, so it was a way of giving it that narrative and it was a way of putting those songs into the spaces to give them those extra characters and those extra you know roots you know and i think that that's what those spaces gave them so beautifully and you know we we kind of placed the songs in the spaces the ones that felt the most appropriate for the spaces you know but they weren't kind of written for the spaces specifically you know or with that so but it's so it's really kind of amazing to feel how those those rooms have then given the songs something extra, like with the one that we recorded in the prison cell. Mm -hmm. Like there was a kind of buzz in the lights, um, like the strip lights that interfered with the recording and it's kind of like it sounds like a ghost you know like a little kind of and it's almost like a little bit annoying but it works so well in the song and it kind of makes the song feel so much spookier and gives the song like a bit of an extra kind of
1: Mm -hmm. edge
0: that it just wouldn't have had and we could never have predicted you know so it's Mm -hmm. kind of magical
1: there's always that moment when you walk into a room when you when you sing into it for the first time and you hear the echo coming back to yourself and like oh yes that's amazing oh yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. What was it was, like yeah, in a
1: prison cell? What, what, how, what, how did that feel? Because that's obviously quite a dark place to go to.
0: Yeah. So it was the it was an old police cell in Bristol. It's like in the in the city centre. They have like um the like the city police cells. That are, it's now an art centre, but in the basement they still have the kind of prison cells untouched. Hmm. Um, and and we walked down and it was the last recording and it was january i think it was late january or something so it was absolutely freezing mm-hmm. you know obviously there's no there's nothing it's just like a strip light and it was just the coldest place i've ever been and yeah it was pretty eerie you know it kind of and it felt and obviously the reverb was really springy cuz it's just like tile and stone mm. and metal um, so the ch- it was quite a challenge and we had a drum kit for that session as well so the drums were kind of like springing off the walls but it kind of just sounded amazing, you know but mm. yeah, Douglas, my brother who recorded it he definitely had quite a challenge in that location to make it sound good and cool not crap and just messy and horrible, you know so yeah. he spent about two and a half hours setting up like two microphones to record in there oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah Yeah,
1: well let's talk about him because I think obviously you grew up with him seeing as he's your brother and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he must know you very well and know how to get the best out of you. Um, where does your family music uh, connection come from? Where do you come from, first of all? Where, <laughs> where do, where do I you, come from? Where you, I where come from, you come from?
0: An, an alien place called yeah. Scotland. Ah. Um, well, I was I was actually, I was born in Bridge North in Shropshire. Um okay. But I only, I mean, I only lived there for like a matter of days before I was on a plane to Saudi. Um, and then I kind of spent a few years in Saudi and then I've lived in Scotland and Manchester and and back in Scotland. I mean, my mum's my, my Scottish and my granny and grandad are Scottish and mm-hmm. I've spent, I've had most of my education in Scotland. So I kind of think of myself as Scottish and I've lived there a lot. But I'm actually, I was actually born in Shropshire mm-hmm. um, and I've lived in London for 20, 22, 21, 22 years. Oh my God, now. more than so, half yeah. your life. Yeah, so I've been here for a really long time, but like holding on just for bare life to my Scottish accent. But yeah, I, I know, it's weird
1: yeah. that, because I actually, I was born in Scotland, um, but I, because I... Spent the bulk of my time in Ireland, like my friends, I made my friends there. I got, yeah. you know, drunk and took drugs for the first time. My dad is buried there. You know, I everything that's happened to make me who I am happened there. So I consider myself to be that's Irish it, in that it? regard. You know, it's like yeah. it's an important part of things, you know. Yeah.
0: Where do you feel that you're from? I think that's like the mo- yeah. that's the same, isn't it? That's yeah. like just as. Yeah.
1: The formulative part. And, and I think we can let go of that, of course. Like when I moved to uh, London when I was 27. And I spent, I don't know how long I spent now. I can say I've finished my time in London. I'm done. I lived there for, I think so, although the prices are coming down now, so I might be back. Are they?
0: (laughs) That's good to know.
1: I'm just
0: just, going to hold on a little bit longer and then I'll actually be able to afford to live here for once.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Talk talk to me about um, Saudi Arabia. What was that about?
0: It was just with my dad's work you know like I lived in Saudi and Dubai um Dubai when I was a little bit older but they were both just for my dad's work you know he worked in like kind of avionics and stuff and like with the REF and that kind of stuff so we've just like always moved about to do with his work really.
1: Was it yourself Um, and and Douglas?
0: Me and Douglas yeah and my mum yeah um but yeah like I kind of we Douglas is Doug has never moved to London, he's always just been in Scotland, he studied there and stayed there really, with like mm-hmm. a small small stint in Poland, but now he's back in Scotland again. But
1: Right, know. so the musicality in your family that's come from somewhere, what's the crack?
0: well i th- I think it comes from my granddad really i mean my my parents aren't musical and I'm not particularly close to my parents so they're kind of pretty absent from my life but oh. um my my grand my granny and granddad were really really present in my life and my granddad is like so into music like kind of wrote his own little songs and was just really really passionate about music it was kind of a really big hobby of his um so I think it probably comes from him, really. But I think a lot of it also for me comes from my brother. You know, he's always been really musical. And I guess I looked up to him a lot and wanted to, like, kind of be part of his world when I was little. So I think, yeah, I think a lot of my, my musical drive initially came from him and my granddad, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. I know? have this I have this image of yourself and Douglas just being very, very close, traveling across the world, the places you didn't necessarily yeah. want to be and ending up in. And you've still got that bond together, you know
0: yeah we were we're well we still are yeah we're incredibly close and like really really connected and yeah we spent a lot of time just me and him when we were kids you know like us against the world just being quite like silly and having lots of like fun together and stuff you know and and yeah like you know my brother gave me my first guitar
1: Hmm.
0: um and stuff so like he's always really helped and encouraged that in me you know and And yeah, and he recorded Dark Nights, which is my first album. He recorded that and arranged that. Um, Yeah, and then I think, you know, there was a big gap between my first album and waiting rooms and I think I was looking for people to make something with and you know thinking I shouldn't really do another thing with my brother you know and then Mm -hmm. eventually it was just like you know Douglas is the person for this job and Mm -hmm. you know and then in the end I was like as soon as I surrendered to the fact that he was going to be the person to do this one as well you know it all just kind of started working you know so. He's,
1: yeah, his care and attention for you is vast, isn't it? Like much more than most producers. Most producers yeah. will try and extract something from you that's unfamiliar, but he's obviously trying to um, curate to the familiar.
0: Yeah, he definitely knows me. <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. Where, whereabouts in Scotland were you? Where, did you grow up then?
0: So in Montrose, which is the north, northeast, like near, in between Dundee and Aberdeen. Right, okay. That's kind of where I went to school and where I feel most at home really. In the and granite, the,
1: the granite of Aberdeen. Yeah.
0: Well, close by. It's like, it's about an hour, like an hour away from Aberdeen and about 25 minutes away from Dundee. So right. It's okay. A bit, it's a bit closer to Dundee. Yeah.
1: I was born in a place called Tariff, which is Tariff. No- north of Aberdeen. Nice. Yeah.
0: It's a ni- oh, is it coast- on the coast? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Almost on yeah, the coast. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice up there. Nice on the coast. Northeast coast is definitely part of the world that I that I really like. I miss it.
1: I've, you know what I like, I left there when I was two years of age and moved to Mm -hmm. Wales. And I, the first time I went back there was when I was on tour and I was 27. Uh, I didn't go back that far. I only ever went to Glasgow and to Edinburgh. So Mm -hmm. I haven't been further north than that for, Wow. oh, how long? 40 something years. Maybe this
0: summer you should, you know, because we're all going to be like having staycations. Maybe you should just like go up to, up to Scotland and have a little explore.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd love to. Like, yeah, I think my my partner's Spanish, so she might not like the cold. But Uh, ah, in the summer,
0: it's in the summer. It's hot though. In the summer, especially on the coast, it's nice and warm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's
0: it's a total lie that Scotland's cold. It's totally fine. I was swimming in the I was swimming in the sea in the in the Highlands like last last September. It was fine.
1: Yeah. What What was it that um, brought you to London?
0: My, my parents moved me to London when I was like 15 and a half um for for my dad's work um, oh. and then they kind of left a year later um, and then I just stayed in london so i've been I've been living on my own in London since I was 16.
1: wow okay wow yeah what, what, were you living uh with other people in a in a shared house Say or? again it just kind of... were you living well, in yeah, sorry. Go on.
0: So, so I lived in just like a studio flat hmm. in, in Ilford when I was a teenager. And then I kind of moved in with friends when I was like 19, 20. Okay. So, yeah, all my friends were still living at home with their parents when I was that age. So, yeah, it was it was an odd time. And that was kind of, you know, yeah, a very strange and, and difficult time as a teenager.
1: Yeah. Uh, did it, were you writing songs at that time?
0: not really i was i was doing music so i did kind of a level music and Mm. you know i start i i kind of academic music i did um i wasn't i wasn't composing or writing at that point really and then i started writing kind of you know i had a boyfriend and he died when i was like i think i was 19 at the time when he died and my brother gave me a guitar at that point and that was when i started writing um to kind of you know recover from that and kind of deal with that and and that was kind of you know a suggestion of Douglas to kind of help me through that and put Mm. some put some of these musical passions into kind of saying something you know and healing myself a bit and that was when I that was when I started singing with Ross and that's when I met you really Mm. I think Mm. I was like 18 or 19 when I met you
1: yeah yeah it's I mean, that's obviously that's a really heavy story. Quite a lot of your story is quite heavy. I think ah, yeah, I'm getting yeah. I'm getting an image for that. But, <laughs> yeah, but they t- are. It
0: is heavy, but you know, it is life. You know, and it is, and it's kind of part of who I am. And and it's and the, you know, the music is the reason why I'm all right. Really, you know.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things with this podcast was to try and um, to unmask creativity so that everybody can sort of use it as a therapeutic response to things that happen in their lives. You know. I, myself, yeah, I use music to heal me, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely for inner journeying and presenting the results of that journey hopefully will help other people, you know. Um, I, I suppose, were you always singing with such melodic lightness? With such cheer yeah. in your melodies,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I've maybe spoken about this before, but like, I, you know, one of my earliest memories of singing—I think I was kind of maybe five or six—and and I, and I remember that. I remember waking up to the to the joy of singing, and it was, you know, I was singing that song "To Dream the Impossible Dream," and, was, you know, I and I remember singing it, and like my chest just bursting open, you know, and mm. like going, "This is just." the most amazing feeling that I've ever had and I never want to stop doing it and I never have stopped you know I love singing and I've always loved singing and I've always been like alright it's singing you know it's, it's something that it was like okay I can do this and it feels good and I love it you know but yeah I definitely have always had quite like a light joyful voice with a bit of melancholy deep down in there underneath you know there's a sadness in it even though it's quite light you
1: know. Yeah it, it sounds like a cathartic release to me when I hear you sing and not just for myself but also for yourself because here yeah, some of your lyrical topics are quite dark I suppose but the melody itself transcends that yeah. in many ways and, and, and sort of makes it go I'm okay you know I feel like I'm okay. Um, I just wonder for yourself after your 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 boyfriend died and you had the guitar and, and, and I, I just you were sitting there playing it and you're obviously thinking sad thoughts, but then the melody that came out was potentially not so sad. It was a bit more cheery and that probably instantly lit you up in some way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's always been an element of hope for me. And I think because the hope is the thing that keeps you going, isn't it? The hope is the light, you mm. know? And I think, you know, some of those really early songs of mine, like Three Miles Left Till Home, that was written kind of following on from the death um, of, of my boyfriend. And, you know, that was written on a bicycle and I was cycling. And, you know, just like, you know, things feel hard, but you just don't give up on them. And, and that kind of, that's always like where I go to. You know, I don't, I, I always like kind of, I think in myself, I'm always looking for the light in things to keep me alive. You know, because I, I can, you know, I think we all can, go to quite dark places and I think that always kind of stops me mm-hmm. it's like kind of holding on to that hope and I do try and bring that into into my music because I think that's what people need you know it's like this is reality and like you know these terrible things happen and we feel these terrible things but we just have to keep on knuckling you know keep on trucking you know so it's that kind of and, and I and I need that you know it it does it for me and I think it does it for the listener as well.
1: Yeah, there's, that's always something I've said to myself is there are two choices in life. Either you keep going or you give up. And obviously one of them's the wrong choice. Um, I, I think for me, like songwriting is, is a case of, I've described this to someone the other day. It's like going into the dark tunnel, mining the tunnel walls to find out what the tunnel is made of. So when you do come out the other side into the light, you know exactly what you're looking for. You, you, know, you can only hear yourself by looking into the face of darkness. Yeah, and that's, uh, and that's part of yeah. the journey, I think, for yourself as well as. Mm is going there and, and coming out of it, sort of like holding a torch for other people and going, it's okay. Like it's, I've been there. Um, mm. Does it, when you play your song, because it's, it's it, obviously if I say, when you play your songs live, well, you do, you record them live as well, isn't the expression is diff, <laughs> is different, you know, but um, you do, I suppose, every time you play a song, connect with the initial reason you wrote the song as well, don't you? It takes you back to that place. and And then you repeat the healing process by performing the song in some ways.
0: I guess so. Do you know, it's really, I've never really thought of that. <laughs> but I think that you're, you're totally right. You know, it's like, you that is kind of what I'm doing, isn't it? It's almost like a mantra of like healing in a way. And I've never really even thought that before. But you're But like, mm. that's exactly what I'm doing, isn't it? So it's kind of um, re re kind of recovering every single time that you sing it, you know, because those things, they don't go away. You know, you can work on them as much as you want. You know, you can go to therapy and you can heal yourself and you can feel better, but they never go away. You know, so I guess, yeah, that is entirely what's happening there.
1: So, yeah, yeah. thank you for
0: enlightening me to that because you're totally right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are. You're you're celebrating your scars. Your scars make you. I I had this lyric, I'm held together by scars. And I think that this is the case of that as well. I don't mind my scars. And and I think that... I, we both crave authenticity in performance, in, in lyrical meaning. Yeah, I, I suppose at some point we've both had to write songs that we didn't really want to write as well. And yeah. and, and I, I guess at some point I myself have written these songs that I don't really feel lyrically connected to. And I've gone, this is great. I don't have to do the dark stuff. I can come out like I've been like coming out of the pandemic. I can come out of this pandemic and go, everything's great. Brilliant. Let's Let's sing songs about sunshine. I'm not going to do that. That's no. not where I'm at. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm going to still celebrate these scars and And yeah. use them like a ladder and and not be afraid of what's in there, you know
0: yeah, I mean you can you know you can have yeah, I mean, to have the sunshine, you have to have the darkness, don't you, and I think mm. like to be able to combine the two is the magic, you know, to be able to kind of get the 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 joy from the sadness is is the kind of that's the nubbin, that's the gold, that's the, the gold
1: dust. That's the bit. And that's why you have to be yourself to get to that point and to present that gemstone in a way it's supposed to be. It was another thing that came up in conversation actually was like, we're talking about songwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you go there? Does the idea pull you in or do you look for the idea?
0: So um, I think it's kind of changed a bit over the years as I've kind of gotten older. And I think when I was, when I was younger, when, I've, when I was first starting songwriting, I used to, I used to really kind of hold on to ideas um, and I, you know, used to cherish them because you didn't know when the next one was coming, you know, so you kind of was always really worried that you were never going to write anything ever again. And I used to have this kind of, I never used to write anything down. I never used to write any lyrics down. I didn't record anything at all. Mm. And I used to kind of believe if I remembered it the next day, then, you know, then that was a keeper and all that kind of stuff. And now now I get older, I kind of write everything down and I record everything whenever I think of it, because I'm always so worried I'm going to forget it because I'm an old lady now. But I think what I've realised, especially through the pandemic, because you've got so much time to kind of like see these patterns, is that I don't really... Apparently, I ruminate on things, so I don't kind of actively search for them. I kind of I busy myself with kind of television or like not like kind of you know playing computer games or reading a book or going for a walk or whatever, you know, just stuff. Um, and then at usually about four thirty in the evening or ten thirty in the evening, I'll kind of play some guitar, like kind of you know meditative, kind of looping, just something. And then mm. and then it just pops out, it flourishes out, you know. Mm. But I ruminate. I think that's how I get my juices flowing. is rumination. Yeah.
1: You're trusting so, your subconscious to do that bit of work, Netflix. aren't
0: you? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. You
1: you playing Metal Gear Solid or something like that? Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. So nice delicate song. Animal
0: crossing has definitely been like my rumination yeah you know, like <laughs> fishing catching bugs
1: oh wow and all
0: of a sudden I'm like I've got something
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it, I think it's brilliant and there's there's another element of songwriting of course which is trusting yourself to do the yeah. to do the work as well you know and uh, without but trust But I think
0: that, that definitely comes with that comes with age you know I think that that trust is there and I was like I know that this is I know that if I just kind of rest on this that these things are the subconscious conscious is really working you know mm-hmm. and it always is and it never stops you know and I think that that's I know that now but mm-hmm. it's like it's okay because this is not going to stop you know mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden a new idea comes out and then I have to hone it and then I need to work on it but those initial ideas I don't I don't look for ever
1: yeah, yeah. unless
0: it's with co-writing or a, a job you know like but for my my own output I never look for it ever
1: yeah yeah sometimes I mean I've, I've been through this Phase like uh, where I had what I would call writer's block, you know, Um, and it's one of those things. The more you, the more you think you have it, the more you tell yourself you have it, the more you have it. But eventually, I went to this. It was a songwriting collaboration workshop, and uh, I thought it was going to be like, let's sit down and write a song about a light bulb and all this sort of stuff. And the first, (laughs) you know what I mean. Like the first task, the first task I was given was to uh, just give myself an intention for the thing, and then and then write a song about my hometown. And I went down that road and because um, I'd been given permission to do it, the mm-hmm. song that came out was one of these things that I will only understand in a few months time. You know, it was one of these majestic things that i had been looking for, but I was looking too hard. I was looking with the wrong tools. Yeah. I didn't get out of my own way. You know, and this is the thing that the trust.
0: That's it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's that does come with, you know, experience and time and, you know, trial and error and, and actually really just kind of and maybe no pressure either. Mm. You know, like I, that, <clears> I'm very fortunate in that sense at the moment where it's like, well, I've just released a thing, you know. I, I don't have any pressure for this year because we're all in lockdown. You know, I, I want to have I want to record an EP by the end of this year. So really, you know, I don't have any pressure. I can just, you know, I don't have a label telling me that they need an album in a, in 2 months. Yeah. And so I do have the, you know, I'm I'm very privileged, you know, I'm aware of that that I can kind of like sit on it, but also I I know that those I know that there's enough there that is like it'll come up at some point you know like there's so much happening there's so much that's happened that of course an idea is going to come up at some point
1: here we you know, are yeah 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 you know, no it's, so it's just a case of I have, a, I have an image of you now going into a field with your laptop and, and Netflix and just trusting that a unicorn is going to come up behind you and tap you <laughs> on the shoulder
0: always is that is that not what happens for everyone else yeah, yeah yeah but if you
1: go looking for unicorns you stop believing in them you're never going to so, find them know. although
0: that's weird that you <clears throat> just said that because I have a unicorn right here <laughs> oh my god Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That's so weird. Because you had no idea. That is pretty weird. That is <laughs> b- remarkably
1: weird. This is live, people. This is live, yeah. It
0: is, yeah. No, no pre-plan.
1: Yeah. And the, the other thing about, obviously, t- mining the tunnels and finding your gemstones is that's a different part of the work process, isn't it? Once you've got the gemstone, I, I had this conversation with Lou Rose yesterday. A gemstone is, is something that you then need to find somebody else to polish, or the other part of your brain, the editing process and yeah. that, you know. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, that's really what I've kind of been trying to get into lately, because I have, you know, I have, um, I've got like a, a bunch of songs. So I, I, you know, I'm not worrying about so much about songwriting at the moment, because I have like, a, you know, enough songs that I can kind of like use for things for the, you know, for the next album and the next EP. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really trying to learn how to use that other bit of my brain and learn how how to record myself. And, you know, my brother's just had a baby, so I can't keep on asking Ah. him to do everything for me for the rest of my life. You're
1: anti-Sam now, cool.
0: I'm (laughs) anti-Sam, yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's nice. That's really nice. But yeah, so I'm I'm kind of, you know, trying to learn how to record from home and do my own stuff. And, you know, he's helping me quite a lot to learn and get things from my little home studio. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what's the best thing to buy on a budget? you know because he yeah. really knows that kind of stuff so yeah it's that's where that's what I'm up to at the moment is like kind of really learning how to keep that flowing you know and that that is a, a whole other level of self um you know commitment and getting up and coming into the studio and stuff I'm I'm really struggling with that because I'm so used to waiting for the flow you know mm. getting up and doing things is is really taking a lot of different approach for me
1: how many cups of tea do you have before you start
0: Well, I don't. I don't start until quite late. I'm much more. I'm not in the morning. I I tend to like just be a bit of a do my own thing. You know, like go for a run or, you know, think about something or do whatever. And then, kind of about two o'clock, that's usually when I'm like, okay, no, I really need to get in and start doing stuff now. And then I end up just making things instead of like learning tech. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just gonna like make another little song or.
1: I Yeah, so I, oh, yeah. Went, I went down that road with the last album I did for myself. And I, did, I learned how to set things up. I put myself in, um, in a room where I just had everything set up. So I spent a whole day setting up a room so I was ready to record. And that way at eight o'clock in the morning, if I wanted to play the song, I'd go down, press record and off I'd go. And so I didn't have to worry about the technical aspect. So you need to get that out of the way.
0: Yeah, that's good. So it's rock solid. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I need to not pack it down at night, which is what I keep on doing. I keep on like putting things away so that it's like done for the day, you know, whereas I need to just leave it out.
1: You need to leave it there. So then you sit down and you've got your magic take and and get yourself a foot pedal that you can control, start and record with.
0: That's also a good idea. This is like tips ahoy. Thank
1: you. I found it it remarkably useful. And it is possible to make an album on your own, of course. Um, But presumably you'll spread it out and work with other people at some point.
0: Well, I think I'm, I'm, I think I want to try and do a lot of it myself. Um, I think it's quite important to me at this, at this stage that I try and do something for myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and try and do as much of it as possible. I, I think use like other people to play on it a little bit or, but yeah. Maybe maybe some secondary mixing and stuff, and obviously somebody else to master it. But yeah, <clears> I think I'm going to try and record, edit, produce, mix myself.
1: Nice. You need a hat collection. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what that's where I'm at right now, which is like my new my new yeah. thing.
1: <clears throat> well, if I can help in any way, please, of oh, course, give so me a much. shout. You know, thank anything you, yeah. I can do. Um, it's early wh- days. It's early it's, days. It's early days. It's early days. Where yeah. do you stand on songwriting theory?
0: Songwriting theory in what sense? Like I kind of- asked
1: this question because like I, I went through a period of life where I didn't care about it and then I went through a period of life because I was doing sync stuff and and I, mm. I bought a bunch of songwriting books and I read them and they ruined me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think I think that there are the formulas that really work, you know, like for 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 pop and commercial music and you know like I think there's a reason why different chords hang together mm. and you know different structures of songs and you know I think and to have and I think like to know these things can be really helpful but I'm I'm not always one for like totally following that stuff and I'm quite instinctive and I and I <sighs> yeah I don't know I think once you know that stuff it's hard to to unknow it You know and I think that it can then force you down a little road but I don't know like I mean I think of you know Fiona, Fiona Bevan Mm -hmm. like you know she's an example of somebody who understands kind of how to how to write a, a song you know in a kind of in a proper way like a textbook way and like in hit, a hit machine way mm. and i and i like sometimes ask her like how that kind of when she comes to writing her own music you know how, does that inform her and i think that and i think she said to me that she it kind of does because it, she can't help it now you know because mm-hmm. she's done so much of it that she can't kind of help it but then at the same time when with her own music she brings a little bit of that into it but it still totally sounds like her so i think she's getting that balance really right but i don't know like Sometimes and sometimes not. It just depends, you know. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah. It depends on the song. There's some things that you just, you know, you you. It's that's a really tough question. I don't know. I mean, the the most recent song that I that I wrote called "Hey Look It's the Morning."
1: Hmm.
0: I wrote that, and then I played it to Fiona, and she was like, "You should do that little bit again."
1: The refrain. Because, yeah.
0: Because that's that's the bit. Like, if you do that again, it'll become a much like better song and i'm often like i'm like i don't like to repeat things you know i do them once and then that's it you know and it's like if you you know but that kind of harks back to that if it's good people will remember it kind of crap yeah and i did it and it's a better song you know i did the you know i repeated it and it is a better song for it so you know when 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 the time's right, you know, sticking to those rules, is like, you know, it, it goes from being an, a, a good song that people might love and might remember to being like, giving it the, the platform, giving it the kind of the treatment that it deserves, you know? Yeah. It's hard and to it, reverse
1: engineer it, though, once you've gone down the road of like commercializing it in some way, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think with that song, like it, it is so uncommercial that even giving it a tiny little like... Sprinkle of of like textbook made it a better song, you know. Yeah, and I think that's maybe where I have a bit. There's a there's room for that in my music because it's so not that that it's like Mm. give it a tiny little bit of it and it's that much better, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think with that particular refrain, there's a there's a there's a there's a catharsis in singing it over and again for yourself and for the audience to take it in. Because I I, I did I heard that song from the church from St Catharines, right? Yeah, and. I think I said to you, like you were singing outside of yourself at that point, and yeah. And you said that was because it was a new song. Is mm. that why you were singing with such grit? As you know, don't normally sing with such grit, do you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's a really new song. And I think what it's saying is like, I'm still not kind of, it, yeah. I mean, it's still very fresh, you know, and it's, and it's about kind of, and I think what it's about is like repeatedly kind of going down the route of like, um, Of putting your hand back in the fire with things that don't serve you anymore. And I think it's still, it's still, I'm still doing that, you know? So it's not like I'm not really reflecting on it, you know? Mm hmm and Mm -hmm. I think reflection means that you can kind of sing things with a little bit more kind of continuity but yeah it was the it was the premier performance of that so it was definitely like ooh, shaking and also I think because I wasn't playing guitar I was Mm -hmm. much more kind of able to really like get in it you know right
1: Um,
0: and the church organ and everything was just so (laughs) yeah yeah Gabriel told
1: me that you had a great time in there for six days and your sort of bubble must have been amazing to be involved in that
0: yeah it was beautiful it was such a and also because it was kind of in that tiny little window of lockdown where we were like allowed out. So we did three, you know, we did four concerts, you know, with like a live audience and it was just totally insane. And we like stayed in the hotel and stuff. And it was just like mad after not doing anything. And then the next day we were back in lockdown. So it was almost like, (laughs) did that even happen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was your Festival Express moment, wasn't it? (laughs)
0: It was so weird. Yeah, very lucky, very lucky to do that. Yeah. yeah, but I'd completely forgotten how to perform. You know, I played everything like double the speed that it's meant to be. You know, it's <laughs> you know, it's just crazy, isn't it? How yeah, I just had, had no idea what it was like to play a show anymore.
1: <laughs> I know, and let's be honest, the, the the sort of live streaming thing is a bit of a poor substitute for it. As oh well, God, isn't it? Like, yeah,
0: it really is. I mean, you know, those guys do it as as well as you can, and yeah. it's still, you know, you need you need the chemicals from the audience. You know, mm. you need the the energy. You need those like vibrations in the room don't mm-hmm. you know it's just like it's science it's not even like it's just you need that that's like what the conversation is the conversation uh, is an
1: exchange yeah it's an exchange yeah, exactly. of many things a chemical it's not exchange. a
0: monologue it's a dialogue even if the yeah. audience aren't really saying anything you know so yeah
1: so so your your plans now for this year are to record an ep at the end of the year is that right
0: to record an ep like you know to have it out kind of hopefully late summer yeah um, and like you know really low pressure i just want to like have like a stepping stone between Waiting Rooms and my next album Um, and just kind of you know a thing that allows me to find out what my sound is at home and kind of without committing to a full album of that you know and then maybe just let people download it digitally and stuff and then like really go to town next like 20 the next year with a new album.
1: Right so will you have a framework for this for this next EP?
0: Um, I have yeah, I have five songs for it that I that I kind of am set on, and kind of you know I've got some ideas yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm at the moment I'm at the moment there it's a little bit under wraps. So
1: That's okay. I'm Don't say anymore. Hold, I'm
0: holding my cards a little bit close, just mainly just because I'm not entirely sure, kind of quite. Quite how it sounds yet you know yeah so I mean you I have to figure sound...
1: out how to put drum and bass in there as well you know so
0: yeah exactly you know but <laughs> well, the, the funny thing is as well is like you know a lot of the music that I listen to and I'm into doesn't really sound a lot like the music I make yeah. so now that I'm kind of making my own music it's kind of interesting to see how those things that I actually like are like coming in to that world and ah, how, that's that's yeah. my
1: world I'm, I know it very well you know I find <laughs> it so hard like when, whenever I do sort of traditional folk music or whatever I just end up sounding like somebody else there's a point I get to when I produce the music the way I want to do it which involves it being live but with loops and a bit crazy Mm. when I know when I hear that that that's what I sound like and and, and it's taken me a long a long time to get to that it's taken a lot of trusting myself and and not Mm. listening to other people as well it's very hard
0: it's wild isn't it and I think it's like you know realizing that it doesn't sound at all like what people what you think it should sound like or you know yeah, like I, I was speaking to my friend Blythe about this the other day. It was like kind of, I realized that I like kind of a lot of sound, you know, mm. when, whereas I think I like things that are really minimal and really stripped back and stuff. Mm. And actually I like things that are quite like rough and lo-fi and quite almost a bit sharp, you know, in the ear and like thing, you know, like the Dritty column and, you know, like Kate Bush's second album and stuff where it's like, there's just a lot of kind of like... Mm-hmm it's not very it's not very like there's no finesse you know like like yeah that sounds great and it's like does it though (laughs) it's like this is yeah so I I need to be a bit careful with that because I think it will be quite a departure from what people are used to hearing mainly because it's been with my brother you know and my Ah. brother is like a classical musician he's like a jazzer he's really like minimal you know it's like and I'm quite like I like things that are quite like you know I only need to do two takes of this, or you know, whatever. And I like things that are a bit like lo-fi and a yeah. bit, a bit, a bit crap. You know. I, I, I also
1: I I feel the same, and I think things need edges. And I think that a lot of my love of music came from growing up in Ireland, where the mountains are quite spiky, and uh, and they had a savage beauty to them, and I love that. And I, and I thought like I find a lot of English music's quite rounded. And I want the edges, yeah. you know, and I think yeah. we are... Maybe edgy. you'll love
0: it then. <laughs> Maybe you'll I, love, I it. <laughs> love it. I
1: already love like, it. Like, it sounds like you're going to go there. <clears throat> yeah.
0: You know, and I love electronic music. Yeah. I love, like, a lot of, like, you know, old kind of indie and, like, kind of, you know, just, like, stuff that makes noise, you know. So I'm... I, I Yeah, it's interesting that that isn't at all the music that I've really been making up until this point, you know, even though I'm really into it. So it's kind of yeah maybe I'll start making music that sounds a little bit more like my record collection.
1: <laughs> you should like yeah. are you what are you using for your door you using Ableton Live by any chance
0: um I'm using logic okay. logic Pro but yeah. yeah I should maybe but I, a few people have said that I should try Ableton Live
1: instead. it's uh, it's phenomenal like it's really like okay. if you want to go down that road of being experimental okay
0: but, see that's maybe the way forward for me, isn't it?
1: Well, you know what you can do this you can get a free trial for for ninety days and try it out.
0: And actually have a routine of making sure that I try it out because that's the that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? That I keep on just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a week goes by, and then a week goes by. I've got to like really kind of get knuckled down.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I need it's to, hard. Like, you know, it's hard to sort of. I think at this point, what you need to do is exactly what you're doing. Don't tell anybody. Uh, do it. Hold it up in the mirror and go. Okay, cool. And then you go. Okay, this is what I want to do. And it's an EP. It's only an EP. We'll see exactly, how it goes. Yeah. No pressure, and I
0: think, and I think that's like you know, once I kind of surrendered to that, I felt a lot, a lot more relaxed about it. It's like, okay, I'm not doing an album of self-recorded music after never having done it. You know, it's just like I need a baby step to that. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my my plan is to. Uh, I, I think I've, I've honed in on what I want to do, which is to take this. Well, which is what I did two weeks ago, take the Ableton set into strange venues. Yeah, I need like to check church.
0: that. I haven't seen that yet. So that's that's going to be my homework for once we're finished. Oh, yeah. So
1: that's Ableton back. Live, and that's, that's a live yeah. take. And uh, because it's a live take, I can completely engage with it. Like, mm. ultimately, I'd like to get other players involved some strings and some backing singers and stuff and maybe do a tour of odd venues and uh, record them in there because. In itself, it's quite quiet because it's in the headphones. The loops are in the headphones.
0: Okay. So
1: you get the sound of the acoustic instruments in the church, but everything else is happening in the headphones. So then you can mix it afterwards, but you get the best of both worlds and it's really...
0: Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that's because that's the thing with with kind of wide reverbs is that they can just, yeah, you, you can kind of get lost in them a little bit and then like mm. tuning can be really tough. And, mm. you know, whenever I've kind of sung or performed stuff that's been recorded in a church, it, 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 there's always a kind of... Mm there's something about the reverb that works really beautifully live when people are sitting watching it but as as the actual player it can be a bit it can be a bit tough i find you know yeah,
1: yes so. yes yeah. so this is about sort of embracing future and past yeah. um and i'd love wow. to get some funding like i'd love to talk to the arts council or whatever about it because i think it's an interesting way of making music
0: yeah um, i mean I it really that- is i think that is like you know if you i mean i i got a little bit of funding for for waiting rooms and stuff so if you nice. if you want any kind of help or advice with that just like get in touch with me
1: sure and, yeah. yeah was that was that up. an easy process or did it involve um, the right words
0: you had you had to like you know really wor- work the system <laughs> tell them nice. what they need to hear i think that's the thing with funding it's like you need to just t- tick some boxes don't you mm. Um, mm. Yeah.
1: okay well then maybe i can you can help me take the boxes and i'll help you um, blow stuff up Sonic. yes yeah yeah
0: that would be great that's a deal, yeah. that's a talk, deal. talk
1: to me about um, Sonny Johns you work with Sonny Johns right yeah what
0: would and, you like to
1: know well the thing <laughs> is like, I don't know if he'll remember me but I, I feel really bad for him I think he used to work in Livingston Studios right in Wood he did Green. yeah
0: yeah he did yeah. so
1: I went in there uh, a long time ago and I think he will probably won't remember me but he'll remember it being one of the hardest sessions he's ever had to do because I had some very intricate guitar parts, and the producer I was working with at the time made me play each string separately. So we had to what? record. It was a very interesting wow. guitar part. like, can you play that uh, string individually? And the whole thing was done individually. Then all the okay. drums were done individually, and Sonny had to do loads of extra hours. And I think he'll probably remember that and be going, "Jesus, I hated that yeah, day." Yeah,
0: gosh, yeah, Sonny. I mean, I you know I worked with him as a producer, and he was. I was also in a band with him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I. What, how do I feel about working with Sonny? He he doesn't one of the things that I remember most about working with Sonny in the studio is that he doesn't eat. So no, no. I so I'd kind of like be concerned about his level of hangriness. Um but he, he does like he he does he does work very hard and very long hours and he doesn't eat very much and that mm-hmm. was always a bit of a worry. Um but he's very talented, yeah, really, really good. He you know, he we kind of did a mixture of dive and overdubbing and he kind of
1: yeah
0: yeah he's he's really talented really really talented um yeah I don't know I don't have lots to say about it really it was quite um it was quite a whirlwind of an experience was you know, that because pika pika? I yeah with pika Pika you know like we kind of did this thing it all happened very quickly you know probably too quickly for my liking yeah um and you know and then it stopped you know and I think I mean that that's kind of not a thing that I kind of enjoy I don't like things that are whirlwinds you know um, where you kind of have to you're forced to kind of make things work very quickly and um, with deadlines and that kind of stuff so yeah but he, but he kind of he works really efficiently and very quickly and, you know, gets a lot done and, and has a lot to kind of pull on, you know, because he's a musician as well. I think mm. he kind of understands the creative process. He can write, he can, you know, he can play really beautifully. He can sing, you know, so it's kind of. He brought a lot of musicality to the experience as well, you know. But I think being in a band with him and him being a producer was is it's, it's a, a an odd an odd combo. The the producer being in the band, I think, is like a, they the,
1: they are also considered to be the musical director, which is and they've produced it and they sit at the back. Was he playing? What was he playing? Drums? Or he bass? was
0: playing bass. Yeah, he was the bass player. Yeah, so he was the bass player and. And I think, yeah, I mean, Josiane and I had very like strong ideas about how we wanted things to sound. So we kind of all produced and Adam as well is like a beautiful producer as well. Mm. So we all we all produced, you know, Mm -hmm. and I yeah, it was it was a very odd combination of personalities and and likes and dislikes. And, you know, I think it would have been nice for us to have had more time to develop that before we did a full album i think and Mm -hmm. and kind of tour a bit more and like you know get to know each other a bit more and stuff i think we all just happened a bit quickly you know but yeah
1: was the writing was, process between yourself and Josie? or was, was everybody it, else involved in that or?
0: um it was it was mainly just me and josie and you know so we we'd kind of like either have songs of our own like little bits of songs of our own that we'd bring together and mm. finish with each other um or we'd write from scratch with like a little kind of hook or something and you know it was a really nice process' writing with her i really enjoyed it I think she I think she enjoyed it as well with me. Um and then you know there was a few that we'd open up and we'd write as a band. There was maybe like 3 songs I think that yeah. we wrote as a band. You know because you've got these beautiful songwriters as well in Adam and Sonny and it was like a mm. shame not to use that at times. So yeah, it was a real collaboration of of minds and tastes.
1: Yeah, are you yeah. done with the band thing now?
0: I'm done with that band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with that band. Definitely. It was um it was a an intense experience and i'm 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 kind of I'm, it, it's over now but it Pre- was
1: presumably it opened up some doors for you though and put you in a good place to move um, forwards
0: i'm not i'm not sure that it did really i okay. think it was um yeah it was just it was what it was um and it was yeah. a very it, it didn't really it didn't do much for me i don't think
1: my, maybe, um,
0: maybe, it, maybe it has done more than I realised because we've then been in such a weird world since.
1: But. Yeah. I know the feeling. I think my own experiences with playing in other people's bands has been like, okay, this is fun. I'm enjoying touring, but I want to do my own music. This is not what I want to do. And then you, say, you sort of sacrifice that part because you think you come out the other side and you're going to be in an elevated position. But what would have happened if you hadn't done that? You can't, know, you know.
0: No. I mean, it definitely like took me away from the from the PR of waiting rooms, it kind of happened Mm. again, because it all happened so quickly. It happened at a really similar time as when I was at the end, tail end of waiting rooms. And I think being in a band was such a stressful experience. Um, for a few months there that it kind of I kind of forgot about myself yeah I, I really forgot about myself yeah. completely in fact so you know and then when that when that kind of came to an end it was like oh yeah I've got this album and I've still got one of the recordings to do and blah 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 you know so it kind of yeah you know it definitely you know but we made a beautiful beautiful set of music and there was lots of really beautiful things in there as well but it wasn't enough about music for me
1: right then that's know, why there's a the poetry now on what you're doing because now you're going, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do myself. Yeah. And move forward, yeah. yeah.
0: But, you know, I think a lot of bands, it's really difficult to make a band work, you know, especially with four singer-songwriters in the band, <laughs> you know, all at a similar point of, like, wanting to do other things, you know. Adam has just yeah. made a beautiful album. Yeah. Sonny did some of his own things. Josie and Spurge released a, 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 her, her new album. And, yeah. you know, so, like, we've it's it was... No regrets, but you know it's, it'll always be there. This beautiful thing that we made together, you know.
1: Mhm. That was your Fleetwood Mac moment, wasn't it? That oh, was your supergroup moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: you no. Know, I mean, and lucky me, I got to have one. Yeah, you
1: know? and, yeah, yeah. And in
0: the and in my kind of history, my life, you know, that was a that was a crazy experience. Like being signed to a record label and doing a thing, and like seeing how that machine works and realizing that it doesn't really work, and then going like, yeah, I'm okay doing this myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. What about the choir thing? Are you still doing that? Is it the-
0: with chaps? Yeah, with the chaps. Yeah, I mean we we stay in touch, and I absolutely adore the chaps, and hopefully we'll get to do another performance or two of our song. But yeah, that was such a crazy, fun experience, wasn't it? Like it's mm. such a beautiful recording that we made, and you know, yeah, they're 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 great. I think they must be missing singing a lot because they haven't really been able to do that. I don't think
1: that energy must be amazing. All of that. Bearded energy, like bearded energy. Yeah,
0: I was totally there for it. That I would do again. (laughs) Singing with 60 blokes. Yeah, go on then. I'll do that again.
1: Beard mattress. Yeah, lovely.
0: (laughs) It was so comfy. A bit, a bit stubbly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah yeah um, so
0: much fun. Yeah,
1: it's been really, really nice talking to you and getting to know you a little you bit too. more. I think we'll be speaking a lot more over the next while because I'm, I'm be very, very happy to advise you in any way I possibly yeah, can. Yeah, I'd you love know? you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I need
0: all the help I can get, really. But sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Are you um, set up to play a song? Do you fancy playing a song? Or? Um,
0: I could play a song. Yeah. Uh, oh can, amazing. Do you, want, do you want me to play? Hey, look, it's the morning.
1: Yes, please. Thank you.
0: Okay, hold on. Cool. <clears throat> What time of day is it? it? Okay, it's 12, I can sing if it's 12. Okay, okay, cool, just after 12, yeah. great healer then why am I still sore and they say time is a great revealer then why Still in the dark, I say the mind is a great deceiver, bending spoon say the mind she's like a bone constrictor crunching all the sweet logic dry The
1: daylight oh, Heard it right. Wow
0: <laughs> Just like It doesn't really have a guitar part yet that one but yeah.
1: I have I actually have tears in my eyes given, uh-huh. the, given the journey we've just Spoken about as well it, <laughs> it sort of just brings Me back to this wonderful place So nice.
0: Uh, thank you Yeah it's the, I need to I need to practice that guitar part but yeah that's um that's the newest song that i've written so
1: it's beautiful it's totally beautiful and it encompasses your wonderful artistry and your wonderful voice and your wonderful lyrics thank you Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show i'm 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 gonna chat to you again really soon
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's let's do that but um, yeah thanks for having me and you know it's good to it's good to analyse things sometimes and talk them over and like kind of you know get to know yourself a bit more through your process and stuff so yeah thanks for chatting to me about it
1: that's a pleasure that's a pleasure All right, mind yourself Sam what a lovely conversation and I really really loved learning more about Samantha's story she is such a lovely person to chat with and a hugely dedicated proponent as I said of the uh recording live and capturing live but I do look forward to hearing what she's about to come up with I think that's going to be intriguing because you know as we evolve and grow we do embrace other sides of our influence spectrum so I'm sure that's going to be amazing wherever she lays her voice will sound beautiful and powerful so I firmly advise you to go and check out Samantha Waits' music I have links included with the podcast thanks very much for taking the time to tap the flow I hope you've got something from that conversation and I wish you all a lovely creative and productive day.